Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. And you can follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Today, folks, we're going to talk about five steps that you can use when choosing a new driver. But before we get into today's discussion, I want to shout out to our friends who make this podcast possible. First and foremost, our friends over at thehackersparadise.com. You can listen to this show as well on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf. You guys know I play their equipment. Srixon specifically Built for Distance, that's the hashtag you want to follow on all social media outlets. Fantastic equipment, highly recommended. And of course, last but not least, our friends over at BudgetGolf.com. Go out and check out what they've got going on every single day. Tons of sales. They actually just had a hat liquidation sale. You can go and get all the best 2019 equipment. They've got it all, folks. So be sure to check out BudgetGolf.com. So recently, and it's just me and you again this uh, week, listeners. Recently, I had the opportunity to go to Mistwood Golf Course in Romeoville, Illinois. Actually, it's Mistwood Golf Club, I should say that. And I had the chance to sit through a uh, seminar, so to speak, ran by Mizuno Golf. I was invited to go out there by a a new friend of mine, uh, Chris, who's a rep over there at Mizuno. And uh, Bill Price, now a different Bill Price, than the bill price we just had on the other day from TaylorMade. Uh, coincidentally, there's also a bill price at Mizuno Golf. He's the director of club fitting over there. He put on a, uh, a presentation talking a little bit about club fitting. Uh, the context was more specific to Mizuno's new shaft optimizer technology that we'll talk about in a future episode. But I learned a lot from, from Bill uh, regarding the differences in club shafts, the frequencies of club shafts, uh, just the different mentality that a lot of club fitters have when they're working with their customers. And that really prompted me to go back to my laptop, write an article about the five steps that I think are really helpful with choosing a new driver. And really, they can be applied to any new club, to be totally honest. But There's a lot of misconceptions, I feel, regarding club fitting in general, and I've experienced this firsthand, having been fit at a few different companies, so I've seen the differences there. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be speaking with Michael Verska, a guest that's been on this show a number of times. He lives in the Chicagoland area as well, and he is an engineer by trade. He's worked in the golf business for many years, and he's going to come on, and he and I are going to have a more robust discussion in the next week or so regarding club fitting from an equipment standpoint, from an engineering standpoint. But today, I want to highlight a few of the tips that I've put out 
in a recent article on golfunfiltered.com about how you can choose a driver. And a lot of this is just being honest with yourself and understanding that sometimes newer isn't always better. Of course, that's not going to apply to everybody. I'm not going to sit here and say, don't ever buy new equipment. That's not the point. I just want to say that right from the start. But I think it's really important to understand these five critical steps before you make your next purchase. It'll allow you to have a better understanding of your game and also, I believe, will help make your club fitting experience that much more informative. The first step I want to talk about is really taking a step back before you do anything else. Taking a step back and understanding what do you want to gain from purchasing a new driver. The same question can be asked for any club in your bag, but driver specific, is it that you're looking for more distance? Are you looking for more accuracy? If you have access to a ball launch monitor already, are you looking for improved metrics, improved launch, whatever it is? I highly recommend the first step is understanding what it is that you want to gain. Now, listeners, longtime listeners to this show know that we always talk a lot about the importance of club fitting. And why we talk so much about that, at least in my experience when I've gone through mine, club fitters, any good club fitter, is going to observe you hitting your current clubs, and in this case, your current driver. A good certified club fitter should also offer some, I don't know, some recommendations <laughs> to, to tinker with your current driver if, in fact, you have a driver that's adjustable, whether it be loft, lie, whatever. And the point of that is to help optimize your current equipment to get the most performance you can out of what you already have in your hands. Now, that might seem to be a little counterintuitive. And those of you who are listening that do club fitting, you're probably thinking, well, yeah, that's nice, and we all do that, but let's not forget that we're also trying to make a sale. And this is one of the points that Bill Price from Mizuno actually brought up in his presentation. See, a club fitter, as I understand it, and as I've experienced myself, a club fitter is really playing two roles. They're, they want to educate the consumer, but they also kind of have to be a salesman a little bit. The mentality that, you know what, you don't want to push a sale onto a, a consumer just for the sake of making a sale, that's nice to say. I've worked in the golf industry in a diff, few different capacities in the past, and I can tell you, those sales matter a lot. No one's doing anything disingenuous. But golf is a business, especially in this realm. And as Bill Price said in his presentation, a club fitter is not only fitting or slash selling to one person. They're actually selling to four people. The person they have in front of them, and then three others who typically play in that person's foursome. Because think about it. Think about what you do. Think about the behaviors that you exhibit after you see a buddy get a new piece of equipment, or you hear that somebody went through a fitting, what do you ask that person? 
What do they fit you in? What what's the uh, what's the shaft say on there? What's the flex on your new driver? Oh well, you're you're pretty similar to me in terms of stature, and and you know I beat you every so often. Maybe I need one of those. How many of that hit home? How many? Where did that hit home just now? Uh, probably a lot of us. Hell, I I know I do that. It makes you think about what equipment you should be trying. And it's almost like, hey, maybe I don't have to pay for a fitting now. The important thing, again, to bring it back to our five steps here, is to understand exactly what it is that you want to gain from a new piece of equipment. Conveying that to a fitter will then allow them to bring you down that path. And that's where optimizing your current equipment, and in this case your current driver, is so critical. Because lo and behold, and I've experienced this myself, lo and behold, you might not be getting the most out of what you're currently playing. You might actually hit the goals that you want after having your current driver optimized. But let's assume that that takes place, but you still want to get a little bit more. And let's just say you want more distance. Well, you also have to then go to step two, which is really understanding and learning as much as you can about the different technologies available in new equipment and identifying what tech you actually need. Drivers these days, they're they're all over the place in terms of technology. There are some core similarities, of course. Most brands these days, at least the larger brands, offer a driver that you can adjust in at least three different ways. You can adjust the loft, you can oftentimes can adjust the lie angle, and in many instances you can adjust things like the center of gravity. These are terms that, at least speaking for myself, never came out of my mouth when I was learning the game. That was over 20 years ago now. But it is as, these terms are as important today as just the general terms of golf, golf balls, tees, tee marker, you know, as those were back in the day. It can get confusing. It can get very confusing. <laughs> Callaway Golf, for example, uh, they're adding to this terminology over time, and, and designs are getting a little bit Uh, at least in my mind, a little bit more convoluted for good reasons. This is not a criticism. But Callaway, they've they've introduced the concept of artificial intelligence designing their clubs. I mean, that's... Did we ever think we'd say that? That's absurd. In a good way. That just means that we... uh, the, The body of knowledge that's available for us to learn just expanded considerably, to put it lightly. But really, there are a couple things in this identifying the new tech that you need to fit the gains that you want. There's just a couple that you really need to focus in on. Loft and lie, that's something that's been around forever. A fitter can help you out with that. But when we talk about two terms in particular, like moment of inertia, or MOI, and a term I already mentioned, center of gravity, or in this case, CG. 
Michael Verska, who I mentioned earlier, if he were sitting here with me, he would probably introduce a third term, and I'm sure he will when we talk to him here in a couple weeks. But let's focus on moment of inertia first. If you don't know what that is, in layman's terms, when a golf club comes, you know, swings through the air and makes contact with a golf ball, depending on where that contact is on the face, that club head might twist one way or the other. A dead center hit probably has less twisting, of course, than a ball struck on the toe or the heel. Reducing that amount of twist is a a very important goal, and, and that makes sense, right? If you hit something off the toe, it could go, well, you could either duck hook it, depending on the face angle, or if your club face is wide open, you might push it out to the right if you're a right-handed golfer. The opposite is true with hits off the heel. That's all moment of inertia. At the moment of impact, what is that club face doing? A lot of times, that's what most golfers feel or interpret as being forgiving. If I hit a ball off the toe and I see that thing come right back to the middle of the fairway, then that's a pretty forgiving driver. That means that there's a really high MOI in that driver. On the other side of that fence, there's this center of gravity stuff that we've heard about ever since we were in elementary school. Center of gravity, all that does is it really helps you with launch, ball launch. The position of the CG in the club head, whether it be higher on the club head, lower, back, front, that's going to impact your launch conditions as well as the spin rate. Understanding at least those two terms right from the start is extremely critical going into any club fitting, and certainly before you end up making a purchase, if you make a purchase at all. Now let's assume that you finish those first two steps. You still, there's something you want to gain, you understand all the terminology of the new technology. You have to then consider step three, which is, how do you want the driver to feel? Now, feel's a tricky thing, right? What I define feel as might be different than how you define it. For my personal preference, I prefer a driver that feels soft or muted. That last adjective is interesting. I want a driver to feel muted. Well, what goes along with feel? Hopefully, if you're listening to this in your car, at your cube, I hope you're you're saying sound. Most golfers interpret feel based on how the club sounds. Those two terms, sound and feel, go hand in hand. If I hit a driver... And, you know, I don't mean to pick on a brand, but, hell, they're not making equipment anymore. (laughs) Um, when When I hit, for example... The old Nike Sasquatch drivers. Remember those those yellow things that looked more like coffee tins than anything? Well, they sounded like coffee cans and tins as well. I remember playing golf with a buddy of mine uh, years ago. He had just got one of the new square-shaped Nike Sasquatch drivers. And he would hit that thing, and my goodness, you'd think it was literally just a driver face. There was no structure to it at all it sounded awful it sounded hollow sounded like a coke can that probably didn't feel great 
It certainly didn't to me. If you have an understanding of how you want your club to feel, you can then also convey that to a club fitter, or at the very least, when you try out clubs, which we'll get to in a second, you want to know exactly what it is that, you know, what's your interest? What, what is your preference? Step four, then, is after you've kind of whittled through this long list of potential drivers, you also want to dial in your numbers, then. At this point, at this point in time, in club fitting, at least, and in just regular purchasing as a consumer, we've got so much technology at our disposal. There's just, I mean, ball launch monitors and and high-speed cameras and, and, you know, apps that allow us to understand our swing plane and everything else. We've got the technology today to let us know when we hit a golf ball well, not just how it feels when we do it, but we can actually see what our body is doing, what the club is doing, and what the ball is doing when we quote-unquote hit the ball well. But do we know what that translates to in terms of metrics? Unless we've got access to this technology, we probably don't. So once you understand what you want to gain, once you understand the new technology, and once you understand how you prefer a club to feel, you should have maybe one to two or three different options now of driver in mind. Go out, find those driver options, and start to hit them. This is where the metrics come in. And the, and the purpose of doing that is you don't want to go into a fitting with, you know, really, really you don't want to go into a fitting with a specific driver in mind. That, that's one end of that extreme spectrum. The other end is while you do want to have an open mind, which we'll get to here again in a minute, you also want to have at least some idea of what it is that you like. Once you have that, you start to hit shots with different clubs, and then that's where really a club fitter can be most helpful. They can fine-tune those drivers to the nth degree to get you exactly what you want. And then it just becomes elementary at that point. All right, well, this driver performed about 10 yards better than this one, or this one didn't go as far as the other one, but I like the feel of the first. Your limiting choice, that's not a bad thing believe it or not. You're limiting choice, and that's not a bad thing. It helps it helps you out. It makes the purchasing decision that much more easy. Think about it. Do you want 20 clubs, or do you want three to choose from? I think the answer is obvious. And so once you have the chance to try all these clubs and get your numbers dialed in and the club fitter says, yep, this one's probably going to work best for you, you want to then go to step five, and I've mentioned this. You want to then have that open mind. And what I mean by that is what happens if it's a driver that performs the best for you, both numbers, feel, hits, checks all those boxes, but it's a brand you've never played. Or as golfers tend to be, it's a brand that you don't like for some reason. 
whether it's a player you don't like that has a sponsorship contract with that brand or you've got a, a member in your foursome that you know uses this brand all the time and you really don't like that guy you know whatever it is all companies make good equipment you've heard me say that a hundred times and it's true I've made the mistake in the past of saying that all drivers basically do the same thing. I can, I honestly can go either way on that now. I've learned a lot more since making that statement before. But I will say, and I truly believe, that every brand can give you what you need. If you have specific numbers in mind, you could probably get a a fitterative to fit you into any brand that you like. But go in with an open mind and not specific, and don't have one brand only that you are willing to consider. Mixed bags are also okay. We see it on tour. We talk about it on social. You see it on TV. Major winners are winning with mixed bags. It's actually becoming less often or less common for tour players on any tour to only play one brand of equipment. That that should tell you something. So once you have that open mind and God forbid you get fit into something that you never played before, The point is, of course, if it's going to help you on the golf course, does it really matter what name is stamped on it? I'd like to challenge you to say, no, it doesn't matter. So following those five steps, once again, let's just run through them really quick. You want to make sure that you have a clear understanding of what you want to gain from purchasing a new driver. The second is identifying what new technology you really need in that driver, whether it be MOI, additional adjustability, center of gravity, whatever it is. Educate yourself. Third step is how do you want that driver to feel? Do you like a muted driver? Do you like one that feels a little bit harder at impact? Totally up to you. Once you understand that, you should have a smaller list of potential candidates. Step four then is to go to a club fitter and dial in your numbers. Have them optimize your current driver and then just do an old-fashioned club test for yourself. Which one performs better between the two? Or in this case, among the group. And then step five, last but not least, keep an open mind because you might be fit into a brand that you've never played before and that's okay. The final, I guess, maybe step 5B to kind of go full circle now when I was talking about your current driver. I strongly believe that if you've got a driver that is less than five years old, chances are you could probably get that fit again to you. People's golf swings change. People's playing tendencies change over time. It happens. You could probably get the gains that you need from what you already have in your bag. And I truly mean that. If you've got a driver that's a little bit older than five years old, it might be time to upgrade. Tell your spouse that I said that. (laughs) And then they will send me hate mail. (laughs) But no, really. I mean, technology has come a long way. 
Over the last few years, though, I think it started to slow down. The gap is narrowing from one brand to the next. We'll see what happens with artificial intelligence. Maybe that's going to be the next big jump so that the gap begins to widen again. But keeping that open mind will allow you to understand, you know what, maybe I don't need to make a purchase right now. I find that to be uh, the best technique you can use to go ahead and find a new driver that's going to benefit you the most. So folks, that was really what I wanted to get through this week. I wanted to share that with you. I've written an article on the same topic on GolfUnfiltered.com. Go out and visit the site today. Really quickly, I also wanted to mention something that I put out on social uh, yesterday at the time of this recording. I'm recording this on Sunday. March 17th, happy St. Patrick's Day to those of you who are listening to this. On March 19th, uh, so two days from now, True Linkswear, great golf shoe company, great shoe company in general, they are making available a special edition version of their fantastic True Knit shoes. I won't even say golf shoes, they're shoes. You can wear them while you're playing golf but you can also wear them out in the town. As I mentioned in the social media video that you can still find out on Twitter right now, uh, multiple sclerosis, you guys have heard me talk about that disease before. You know that my wife Kristen was diagnosed with it a few years ago. Actually, now I think it's like five or six years ago. She's doing great. She's she's fine. We're we're getting through it. She actually just had a really great update from her doctor uh, earlier last week. The way that multiple sclerosis, or MS, I'll just call it, behaves, basically you get like scarring on your brain or your your spinal cord. There's lesions that you identify through the use of an MRI. Depending on where those are, on either your brain or your spinal cord, that impacts different body functions. Either whether it be vision, your ability to walk, whatever. It's a terrible disease. True Links where they, they've also experienced, and I don't know the details, and I don't need to know, but they've also experienced this disease in their households. And so they've decided to release a hashtag MS Strong version of their True Knit shoes. $30 from every purchase of those shoes will go to benefit the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. The shoes are great. You can go out to the website right now for truelinkswear.com and you can see uh, how how awesome they look. I mean, these knit shoes, they're popping up everywhere. I mean, I feel like a lot of brands are doing this, but I just love the way they fit and True Linkswear has really nailed it. And then there's a small difference, a small emblem towards the heel of these shoes and it's the orange ribbon uh, for the uh, MS Foundation. $30 of every purchase goes to benefit that foundation. And then Ryan Moore, PGA Tour player, for those who don't know, Ryan Moore and his brother uh, started True Linkswear. I don't know if you knew that, but he has agreed to match that $30. So that means for at least the first 48 hours of all pre-orders, which starts on March 19th. So $60 total will go towards every, will go towards the uh, MS Foundation F of, every purchase. That's great. I mean, that's just an incredible percentage of each purchase. The the shoes are $130. They're worth every penny. When you consider the donation or the portion of that that's going to the foundation, that's a big percentage. You don't see a lot of companies doing that. 
I mention all of that to just encourage you to go and check that out. TrueLinksWare.com, you're going to be able to see where everything's located on their website. Great cause, great shoes. So, that being said, folks, that'll make for today's or this week's episode. We'll be back next week with more information on not only club fitting, but also new equipment. And if you like what we do here, be sure to go out to iTunes and leave us a rating. I know a lot of podcasts ask for five stars only, and yeah, that'd be nice. If you want to go out and leave us five stars, that'd be awesome. But definitely leave a review. Go in there and type a few words about the podcast. Do you like what we do? Is there something that you think we could do better? Let us know. That's good feedback. We take that very seriously. We improve as we go along. Thanks again for downloading this week's episode. Take care of everybody. Take care of yourselves. Go out to truelinkswear.com. Take a look at the shoes. Pick yourself up a pair. That'd be great. (laughs) You're helping a great cause. All right, folks, we'll talk soon.